0: McKinsey, in fact, uh, has estimated that closing the gender gap would add $28 trillion to the value of the global economy, an increase of about
1: 25%. Welcome to the Inspire podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Eignol, President and CEO of the Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence, Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi, and welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. I wanna start by wishing you a happy International Women's Day. We'd be a bit happier if the numbers were looking better I've been in this business for 20 years, and we are not where we need to be. Why is that? What do we have to do? What can individuals do? What can the companies do? These are some of the questions I tackled last week in my interview with four people from the Humphrey Group. And I also tackle on today's podcast, which I did also last week, but we're sharing with you today, with four leaders from CN Rail. CN is a leading transportation company. They own one of the premier rail networks in North America and they move a huge amount of our economy. And uh, I was privileged to be in their offices last Friday to facilitate a live episode of the Inspired Podcast with three women and one man, all of whom spoke candidly and authentically about what it's going to take to get closer to the kind of equity we need to see, not just at CN, but in the world. So hope you enjoy my conversation today at CN Rail.
2: So welcome everybody. Uh, we're here at uh, headquarters in, in Montreal, headquarters of uh, Canadian National Railway, CN. And uh, welcome to the many more who are listening uh, on, uh, on the webcast, webcast across our network in Canada and the US. Uh, my name is Fiona Murray. I'm the Vice President of Public and Government Affairs and Co- Corporate Communications at CN. And I'm delighted to introduce uh, today's event, which is held in celebration of the 2020 International Women's Day. Uh, It's a global celebration of social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women, and a day that also marks a call for action for accelerating gender parity. Uh, International Women's Day is actually on uh, March 8th, that's this Sunday, and was first celebrated in 1911 uh, and supported by over a million people in Austria, Denmark, Germany, and Switzerland. And just a little uh, historical context, in the late 1800s and 1900s, women activists fought hard for equality. Uh, The focus was largely on securing the right to vote and uh, equal pay for equal work. Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So these two issues, uh, you know, the women's voice and participation in government and the gender pay gap, largely remain key priorities even a century later. Um, In the 70s, we saw a rise in feminism with women rallying, protesting, lobbying for inclusion, uh, influence, and equality. In the 1980s, which is kind of my generation, seems like we were encouraged to act like men. And, uh, you know, we can all laugh now about the shoulder pads in our jackets <laughs> and, you know, the sort of men suits. I certainly remember my first favorite power suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 90s, seemed like uh, we were trying more to change the organization. Um, you know, there were significant rises in the number of women's conferences and networks, for example. Uh, the, volume of, um, the volume of gender-related research picked up and increased. There were new insights, new terms, new understandings, new phrases. Um, I think we've seen a lot of the, the, the hard facts and numbers, which is always uh, useful. Um, In more recent years, there's been a recognition of the need for men to be advocates. So I thank the men that came here today, and uh, you are welcome, uh, very welcome. Uh, This is about people, not just about women. Um, So thank you for your advocacy. Thank you for being champions of change. Because really, it's about the rise of women and not about the fall of men. It's about working together and bringing what's best for the whole community. Uh, We've also seen the further challenge uh, of biases and stereotyping. And that's uh, aided by a number of influential and progressive CEOs, both male and female. Uh, But there's still a lot of work to do. And uh, the wage gap in Canada between men and women persists. Um, You know, women earn about 87 cents to a man's dollar. And I don't think anybody feels that uh, that that's fair. Uh, The number of women in the workplace is still not where it should be. (laughs) Um, and we've sort of plateaued on that level. So uh, today's panel is going to provide some examples uh, and delve into some of the themes of international of this year's International Women's Day, which is each for equal. So again, uh, not about leaving people behind, not about moving people out, but coming together and 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 driving for equality. Uh, they'll also be hopefully providing some direction and some solutions. And I'm sure you'll agree that uh, the world expects balance, and to quote uh, the International Women's Day material, an equal world is an enabled world. So everyone has a role in forging a more gender-balanced world, and I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for engaging in this important topic and for being part of the world and part of the CN world. Uh, our moderator today, I hope I'm not blocking you, Bart, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> is uh, a real friend to CN, Bart Engel. Uh, he's the president and chief executive officer of Humphrey Group, uh, a company that coaches, trains, and consults on leadership and communications. And Bart has been a long and huge advocate for women's equality in the workplace. And there's really no better model for him than his mother, who was a strong and capable woman who founded the Humphrey Group that he now leads, um, it, his uh Activities at his company focus on talent management, diversity, investor relations, and regulated hearings. He's also the host of Inspire Podcast. Uh, that's what we're doing here today, being inspired and being part of a podcast. Uh, it's an interview um, series that explores leadership communication that is in its second season. And our session today will be appearing on CN's podcast channel and on Bart's uh, podcast series. Uh, Most impressively, in 2015, BART was recognized by the International Alliance of Women and a recipient of their World of Difference 100 Award. So fantastic, BART. Uh, So there's no better person to lead our panel on this important topic. Thank you for joining us today, and please welcome BART. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Fiona. And next year, we'll have to get you on the panel as well. (laughs) No, but thank you for that introduction, and uh, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, my company is in the leadership communication business. And as Fiona said, I have a deep passion for diversity and inclusion. And this year's theme of each for equal very much resonates with me. Um, And this is a first for me. Thank you the CN for hosting this podcast. This is my first live podcast. (laughs) You know, 50 podcasts in, normally I do them in a room where there are Uh, You can record, and I always say to the guests, don't worry, we can change anything in (laughs) post-production. So that disclaimer is not on today. (laughs) Everything you say uh, will be broadcast, and I think that will make for even more fun and authentic (laughs) conversation. So you've heard a bit about me, but I thought I'd let the panelists each introduce themselves. Uh, For those of you, for each of you listening here, or each of you listening uh, on the webcast, uh, if you could introduce yourselves, what you do at CN, and most interestingly, what prompted you to take the courageous leap of being on a live podcast about equity uh, in the world? And why don't I start at the other end with you, Janet?
0: Sure. Uh, Hello everyone uh, in the room and uh, on uh, on the podcast. My name is Janet Drysdale, I'm Vice President of Financial Planning. And when I was approached about the panel, um, what really struck me about this year's theme, uh, Each for Equal, um, and the idea that you know, individual people can come together and make a difference, um, it really struck me. You know, if you say that a different way, um, I would say if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And when I thought about that and reflected on my own experience, I feared that I may be part of the problem. I say that because when I started uh, here at CN uh, in my early 20s, it was clear that we had some issues around diversity and uh, gender parity. Uh, but at that time, you know, I put my head down and I thought, well, this will resolve itself over time. And I certainly don't feel comfortable speaking up uh, because I don't want anybody to think that I'm asking for special treatment. So, you know, that was almost 25 years ago. And now as I'm approaching 50, and some of those challenges and issues are still around, um, you know, what what I've learned over the past 25 years, uh, you know, what the experience has given me, besides a few wrinkles, Um, is confidence and age will do that to you Um, so with that confidence and with the experience um, I'm here to speak up.
1: Thanks for joining. Diane.
3: All right Uh, my name is Diane Lewis. I have been with CN for 12 years. I am out of Homewood, Illinois. I am the safety training manager for our rail traffic controllers uh, I've spent my whole career there. I started out as an RTC, then I was a chief, a senior chief, and now I'm in this role. Uh, and I was excited to get an invitation to be here today because I, I wanna make sure that women know that they, do, they can fit in here. I'm here, I'm, I've proven it, uh, and I like to bring people up. I talk about it a lot uh, at work and in, with the few people that I see in the community. So when I get a chance to have an opportunity to speak to more people, That's why I'm here. (laughs) Thanks for making the trip. Thank you.
4: Rochelle.
5: Hi, I'm Rochelle Glazier, uh, Chief Mechanical Officer for CARS. I had the privilege of joining CN uh, about seven months ago and very excited to be here today. I've been in the industry for about 15 years, and I'm very excited to help and set a good example that as women, we can do anything we put our minds to. The most important thing we have to do is believe in ourselves.
4: Thank you. And Mohit. Hi, my name is Mohit Bhatt. Um, I've joined CN December 2018 and I head the technology, strategy, architecture, and the data teams um, in, in the IT function. And I'm uh, so excited to be here to share what uh, I have been doing with uh, the teams in IT and what uh, I want to share my experiences on what we have been uh, looking at setting up programs and growing the diversity and increasing the, the, the numbers and making sure that. We all work uh, with the right structure in our group as well.
1: Thanks. Thanks for being here. And you know, we'll talk later about allyship, and I think you've really uh, lived that within CN, so it's a great example. So let's dive in. You know, the first theme, and Fiona gave us some good statistics, uh, but let me just expand on the fact that we are very far away from equity. Uh, Fiona mentioned the wage gap here in Canada, that today women earn 87 cents for every dollar that men earn. And that number is even worse when we consider women of color who earn 67 cents for every dollar, or indigenous women who earn 65 cents, or newcomer women who earn 71 cents, or women with disabilities who earn 54 cents. Women are also underrepresented in leadership roles. Uh, They comprise only 20% of board members for Canada's top 500 companies. just 8.5% of the highest paid positions in Canada's top 100 listed companies are held by women. And globally, it's the same thing. If you look at the 500 CEOs leading the highest grossing firms in the world, just under 7% are women. And even when when we compare women in the same roles as men, they're paid less. For example, here in in Ontario, we're in Quebec, (laughs) but in Ontario, where I live, the highest paid 10% of women... Earn thirty-seven percent less than the highest-paid ten percent of men. So these are pretty damning statistics when we think about, you know, the two decades I've been in the diversity inclusion space, talking about progress that we're not there. And I'm wondering about CN and Janet. I know you have some numbers. How does CN stack up uh, on this front?
0: Well, let me, uh, let me give you a rundown of a few of the key highlights, at least. Um, these are 2019 statistics. Um, of CN's total employee population, only 9% are women. That number really hasn't changed. Um, as part of the sustainability team, it's something that we've been measuring now for over 10 years, and at least in the last 10 years, the number hasn't moved. So we haven't even been able to hit double digits when we look at the company as a whole. Now, when we look at the non-unionized, the number is 23% women. So much better, but still not even a quarter. 5% is the number of women that are represented in the unionized population. When we look at our new hires for last year, only 9% of our new hires were women. So what that means is we aren't moving the needle. Now, I know um, a lot of people will point to railroading as being a very male-dominated, you know, physical type of workforce. Um, That's not untrue, but it's also, in my mind, a bit of an excuse. And I'd like to do a shout-out to some of our uh, significant customers who are also in heavy industrial and who are doing just a little bit better than we are. So if I look at Tech, which is a large Canadian mining company, 18% of their workforce is female. That's double our number. Uh, Suncor, uh, in the uh, oil and gas business, it's 23%. Rio Tinto, also in mining, is 18%. So we know that even in heavy industrials, um, there's an opportunity for us to do much better than we're doing.
1: And, and let me ask you why, is, I mean, this may be self-evident, but I think it's worth exploring. Why is it important for CN that you do better? I mean, why not just continue, you know, given the performance you've had as a company, you know, why not just continue?
0: Well, I, you know, I think the uh, great thing about CN is that we really are all about continuous improvement Uh, And we talk a lot now about innovation and creativity and taking, you know, the success of our precision scheduled railroading model to the next level. And we know there is enough evidence now that we know factually that when you have a more diverse workplace, be it gender or ethnic diversity, you have more innovation, more creativity, more empathy, a better corporate culture. Now... I'm a finance person, so let me put some numbers to that.
1: <laughs> I figured you'd have one.
0: <laughs> Companies in the top quartile for gender diversity on their executive teams were over 20% more likely to outperform on profitability and about 30% more likely to outperform on value creation. McKinsey, in fact, uh, has estimated that closing the gender gap would add $28 to the value of the global economy, an increase of about 25%. So the case for diversity is pretty compelling.
1: Hmm. And so I think it's worth tackling then why the progress hasn't been there, and looking at CN, but also the transportation industry as a whole. And Rochelle, I know you're relatively new to CN, but you have extensive experience in the industry. Can you just talk about, from your perspective, why aren't we further when we look at the kind of numbers that Janet's highlighted?
5: Well, I think we have to foster a culture of acceptance, and we have to make uh, diversity feel comfortable for folks and employees. We have to make a warm environment for somebody to come and want to come and work in a non-traditional role. So if, for example, my team right now, I have um, one, one woman that works uh, in a managerial capacity uh, for the uh, mechanical car. And we have to create a warm environment for people to feel comfortable coming in
1: and accepting those roles first and foremost. Um, in your career, have you found that that's not always been the case, that that environment has not existed?
5: Certainly. Um, myself, I can attest to that, that um, and there's been some challenging situations, and there was times that I wanted to give up because mm-hmm. I didn't have that support. And that's very, very critical. And that's one of the reasons why I was very inspired to take this position, um, because I, I want to change that. I want to be part of that positive change, and I want to foster that environment where anybody feels comfortable coming to our department and working, and they know that they're going to get the support and leadership um, to make them feel Secure enough to excel in that current position.
1: Thanks, and Diane. I know you shared with me that you're really excited about the growth in representation of women in your area. This is a cause you're passionate about. Can you talk a bit about some of the barriers that you've see uh, either in your career or st- and still today to having women thrive in, sure. in the industry?
3: Yeah, I think uh, from from the side of the woman that doesn't know about the industry. They don't believe that they fit in, <clears throat> so again, that's why I'm very vocal uh, to let them know that they they can, and and well, um, and the other part of that is once they get there, like you said, the acceptance. Um, it's it's a tough road, and we you know when they come in, they have to know we don't come in knowing that oh I can be good at this. We have mm-hmm. to be great, just to hold our our spot, just to to be accepted. Uh, I did have a chance to reach out to some of, because as an RTC, you're still in an office environment, even though it was male dominated. But even for the women who have been boots on the ground, conductors, engineers, and I was able to speak to some of them who've been here for 10, 12, 15 years, um, just about some of their struggles as well. Um, and acceptance is a big thing. Uh, in some of the training that they got, uh, everybody wasn't so open in the beginning. You know, because they felt like, oh, you know, she's not going to make it or she can't do this. Uh, so they had to be very creative in, in the ways that they learned their jobs. But once they did, uh, they said that you know, they, when they showed up to work as a conductor and they were with a new engineer, and you know, he kind of looked like, oh, man, this is what I have to deal with, thinking he was going to have to help or do more than he was supposed to to help her with her job. And when she was successful, you know, at the end of the day, that, their respect level rose. Um, You know, comments like, I'll work with you anytime. Uh, Actually ended up working better, getting more done than some of the male conductors that had done that same job. Uh, Because, and I asked her why, because she had to. (laughs) You know, if she didn't, she didn't think they would be as forgiving uh, if she wasn't able to do that. So so they had, uh, you know, it was tough in the beginning, but then once the respect level rose, Mm So I just want to make sure people know that, or women know that they can do that same thing.
1: Yeah, and, and hopefully we can get, as Rochelle said, to a point where you don't have to meet that higher standard. Right. <laughs> you know, where it's mm-hmm. not, because I'm sure it's amazing that those the women you referred to had that courage and drive. Mm-hmm. But that's hard. You know, that's, yeah. that's particularly hard. One well, other thing I'm wondering if you could speak to, I know we chat about in advance, is that uh, as a woman of color, you face additional unique barriers. What would you share about that?
3: Um, Along the same lines, uh, when I, you can't be good, you have to be great, uh, and when you come in, because people don't know what to expect, you know, they, they, or they have in their mind to expect one thing, um, and, and when I see women of color who, who want to excel or want to at least try to be RTCs, in my role now, I, I can be much more support, supportive uh, than before, and again, I'm proof that it can happen and it can be done, uh, and so we do have. I've seen an increase, uh, but it's it's a double-edged sword. Mm. You have to work just as hard as to be a woman coming in. You got to work just a little more, just mm. a little harder, uh, being a woman of color,
1: and to face those. That double pressure, I mean, I think that's really where we want to get to where no one has to meet that higher standard because Correct. the organization suffers for that and people perhaps without the drive and courage that you've shown won't get there and CM will be less good for it. Now, all that being said, the three of you represent success stories you know, at varying stages of your career. And so we've talked about the fact that there is, there are these barriers, either conscious or unconscious, that exist to equity. you're obviously proof that they are not insurmountable. And so let's turn to advice, experiences, that you can share with women listening on what it takes to get to this point. And Janet, maybe I'll ask you to to start.
0: Sure, so um, like I said, I've been here now for almost 25 years. Uh, Part of what uh, has got me here and allowed me to be successful is supportive men. And at home, You know, in my personal life, that's been my father, my husband, my sons, my brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the professional side, I have been fortunate uh, in my time at CN to have male uh, mentors and coaches and people who encouraged me and, um, you know, pushed me to to my fullest potential, I think. Um, So it also took hard work. uh, And I think... Over time, um, the key thing uh, to get me to where I am today was, was building up that confidence and finding my voice mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, articulating uh, my opinions and, and uh, my way of doing things and uh, my approach to things. And uh, so I would have to say, you know, those are probably the, the three top things for me, uh, mm-hmm. supportive men, hard work, uh, confidence, and finding my voice.
1: Well, having worked with you on the investor relations side, I know you have a very strong voice, and it's great for the company that you use it. (laughs) You're (laughs) you're a wonderful advocate for the company. Uh, I want to touch, delve a bit deeper into your first point, though. You talked about supportive men, and you talked about some of the the champions or sponsors or whatever word internally at CN you might have. So someone listening here in Montreal or someone listening on the call who might be early on in her career... Mm -hmm and who might not have those champions yet, might be wondering, how do I cultivate that? What advice would you give uh, if they don't have someone who just approaches them and say, hey, I believe in you? How do you go about finding that kind of support?
0: Yeah, I think you do have to be uh, open to seeking it out as well. You have to put your hand up. You have to not be shy. Uh, You know, I have people who approach me, men and women. You know, could I grab a coffee with you? Mm -hmm. You know, would you have time for lunch? Can we have a quick little chit chat? Um, I, I encourage people to do that. And frankly, more people should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you, you always be surprised when you offer that up, you know, give me a call, let me know in a room of 100 people, maybe one actually will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that I actually would encourage young people mm-hmm. to do is to to not be shy to reach out, I think. You know, 90% of the time, you're going to find a very um, willing partner in that endeavor. Um, And if you don't, ask somebody Mm. else.
1: (laughs) Rochelle, have you been approached by women and men early on in their career looking to you for that kind of support? Uh,
5: I wouldn't say so much looking to me. Uh, since I've been here i've ha- I have had a few ladies reach out to me um, that I've been able to develop and foster relationships with. Um, but I would say to Janet's point early on in my career, um, I didn't have uh, one mentor. I had a few people that I could count on um, and that really helped me reach my full potential. but one of the things that inspired me along the way was being that change and being that change for women to set an example that, hey, we can do this. Um, and when I went to New York City is when I really had the opportunity to um, build and develop relationships and really start mentoring and encouraging, um, you know, non-traditional roles for women, I would say. Um, and since I came here, uh, that's definitely something on my radar is really to support um, but I would encourage each of you, if, you, if there's something that you want to do in the organization, one of the really great things about a railroad is there's so many opportunities and so many different departments. And if you don't have the skill set to work in a particular department, don't be afraid to reach out and work on possessing those skills or developing that skill set. Um, for example, um, in mechanical car, I, I need people that can lead I need people that can drive and motivate people to work safe. And more importantly, I need people that can inspire others to work efficiently. (laughs) And if you can do those three things, I'm, I'm not looking for a subject matter expert. I'm really looking for strong leaders.
1: So you came on this podcast as a recruiting employee. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll, you'll end up with lots of candidates. And Janet, you'll, your inbox is going to be inundated. <laughs> which these are, these are we'll, good We'll things. have
0: group sessions. That's, that's right. Hear that. That's <laughs> right.
1: And, and Diane, I'd like to turn to you. you know, you've, you've progressed clearly in your career. You've taken on more responsibility. You're now training and mentoring uh, people in the, the RTC. What has been the key to your advancement?
3: Um, same thing, there were some, uh, you have to, when you first start, you don't want to ask anything because you don't want to ruffle any feathers because you're just glad to be here. Um, but you have to pay attention to the people around you because, uh, there are some that, that, that will help. Uh, and it could be small. Uh, I remember in speaking with uh, one of the conductors, she said that somebody came up and told her, you know, just always show confidence, you know, it was just in passing but you know, don't let them see you sweat, in other words. And uh, that has always stayed with her. And I remember my first train ride, because you have to take a train ride as an RTC, uh, listening to them explain to me how I could be successful. And I took that to heart. And they held up their end of the bargain, and I held up mine. Hmm. And so that helped me to progress. And then now, for the new people, I am trying to be that instrument. You know, sometimes you have to seek it out. You can kind of see it, you know, when they're kind of weary, and you go out and you let them know, not just from me, but, you know, you have to look for the support. It's not always forthcoming, but it's there.
1: And the last question I want to ask the three of you on this topic of what women can do to advance. If you think back in your career, what's the one mistake you think, I want others to not make? if they want to advance. <laughs> I'll
5: start. Um, I would say that when I, when I first started out, I was, I was insecure about my abilities to perform um, in a male-dominated field. So my background, I came from operating um, and mechanical. So I, I know how to run trains, and I know how to fix cars and locomotives and keep them running. Um, but there were very few of us in the industry, and that intimidated me going into my first managerial role because I, I didn't feel I was going to be good enough. And I would say the one mistake I made was, was fear, was letting fear take over and not believing in myself. And when I changed that mindset, I had a superintendent at the time, he came to me and he sat down and he said, I need you to do one thing for me. I need you to have more confidence in your skills and abilities. And it changed my whole outlook when I knew that he believed in me and he knew that I could do the job. And I started flourishing after that point. And I'm not sure that I would have if I wouldn't have had him have that conversation with me. So I would encourage each of you, the most important thing you can do is really believe in yourself and have confidence.
1: Well said. There's this well-known phenomenon called the imposter syndrome. And we tackle in our women's leadership program taking the stage because while it afflicts men and women, women do report it being much more mm-hmm. common. It's this idea that you have this voice saying, "I, I don't deserve to be here," and they're going to figure me out. <laughs> and so it's great that you were able to deal with that very early on and clearly thrive because of it.
0: It's funny. My my experience is very much the same as that. So I would say you know fear and a lack of confidence uh, early on. And, you know, um, I think at one point in my career, you know, I sat back and, and sometimes you're afraid to speak up and, and you're frustrated by things and you want to change, but you don't quite know how to make that change happen. And, you know, I had uh, somebody who said to me, you know, well, you seem to be, you know, resistant to change and, and that just increased the level <laughs> of frustration, uh, but But I asked myself the question at one point, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? What's the absolute worst thing that can happen to me at work? And I answered the question. I said, well, the worst thing anybody can do is fire me. Hmm. And then I realized I could overcome that. And I think that's what created a, a tipping point for me was if that's the worst thing anybody could do and I can live with that, then I can speak up and I can have that confidence.
3: Love it. And Diane, would you add anything? Uh, right along the side, same lines. Um, just don't be afraid. Push through. Find that person to talk to. It may not be the person that's right in front of you, but if you pay attention, they're there.
1: Well, these are, and thank you for sharing your experiences and, and uh, openness to uh, how you've, you've grown and progressed. You know, and. I think one of the neat trends, and Fiona did a wonderful job of talking about some of the trends in diversity and inclusion, one of the neat and very important trends that's emerged over the last few years is the recognition that reaching equity is not just the responsibility of women. I mean, you've all described the courage you have to, take, have, to have to overcome some of these barriers. But finally, I think we're at the point where people recognize that inclusion is everyone's business, everyone's responsibility, and everyone will benefit from it. So let's shift from what women should do to what the organization should do, because I don't think either uh, is enough. It has to be together. And since joining CN, you have come in and just brought organizational intention in your world to the advancement of women and the promotion of equity. Perhaps you could share with the panel and with the room some of the things that you've done uh, since
4: joining. Sure. but So I am a technologist. Uh, I'm going to use uh, two phrases today, one from finance, one from technology, and that's what I used in the diversity as well. You know, uh, Janeth, I'm sure you you understand the term financial debt. I understand the term technology debt. And uh, looking at the problem, I actually saw that we have a problem of diversity debt. So how do you deal with diversity as a debt? Uh, we are a 100-plus-year-old company, so for sure there are a number of reasons uh, why we are uh, in, in, in this diversity debt scenario. So I looked at setting up programs, A, to contain it. B, how do you overcome the problem and really set an example, because the change starts from you. Set an example so you overcome the issue of uh, you know having uh, diversity as, as a debt as well. So I set out a number of uh, HR. programs with the help of our h- HR. and recruitment teams. A, um, you know, in Montreal every year, 30 percent of women graduate from the colleges. So we do have uh, amazing programs where we work with universities and, and we bring uh, talent into our companies. So uh, we worked with our HR. and recruitment partners, incentivized our recruitment teams, and incentive doesn't mean a financial incentive, uh, you know, a note of thanks. Uh, making sure that people um, get appreciations for bringing the right talent in into the company as well, with the right diversity mix. So set targets, incentivize, created a plan, and increased the number of um, women employees in the team, whether it is in the graduate recruitment program or it's in the all-new recruitment program, and so on and so on. So in the end, um, when I started, my percentage was less than 20. Um, At present, I have 25% of the workforce is women. 44% of my workforce is diverse. Um, And in IT, uh, in total, we have 22-plus percentage uh, workforce is women. Uh, And we all uh, in the team work consciously to make sure that the percentage at least raises to the level of the Montreal graduating women percentage, which is 30 and uh, making it as a conscious uh, plan, decision, and working with your partners, we're working with your different departments to make sure it, it comes as a structural change is, is uh, what I look forward to. At the same time, uh, listening to the panel colleagues, I look at, um, you know, there are three things that, that come out as a theme. A, what is, what if, is something that's a common theme if we always keep questioning what if which is what janet was talking about as well and i i encourage all the women employees to look at what if you do something different what if you take up a new job what will happen that's what janet was referring to as well the second thing is be curious because what happens when you become curious you actually solve the problem by being curious you read you study you you talk to your colleagues you talk to um, other employers colleagues recruiters and you actually solve the problem by being more curious as well. And in the end, there's something that I use uh, pretty often with my team, you know, nothing is impossible because impossible itself says, I am possible. So be confident and uh, work towards the success.
1: I love it, and I love your your concept of diversity, debt, and how you've just tackled it in such a short time, made quantifiable improvement. And I think, Janet, you know, going back to what you were saying from the, the macro view of CN, where you have these decades of really not moving the needle. It's an inspiring example of what's possible in the pocket. What can, Perhaps you can give us perspective on the larger organization. What needs to be done? What is going to be done? What has been done?
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, Mohit's example is exactly uh, uh, as expected. When you focus on it and you make it purpose. Uh, you will achieve results. Um, So we have had results, uh, certainly at the board level. Uh, We have 38% of our directors are female. uh, But we achieve that after we set targets. And, you know, when I flash back to my 20-something self, I thought, oh, targets. I don't want to have a target. Target's a bad idea. (laughs) But, you know, 25 years later, I'm like, well, maybe a target is actually what we need. And uh, I think the way Mohid talked about it and the way he's framed how he's going about that is exactly, uh, exactly relevant. Um, You know, I've talked to other companies. What are you doing? And one thing I've heard that, you know, just really resonated with me is that when they receive resumes, they blank out the name blank it out. That actually helps you in terms of gender and ethnic diversity. You don't need to see the name. Look at the resume. And if you think it's, you know, worth an interview, be surprised. (laughs) You know, so I think that's that's a core strategy. I think we're looking right now at CN in terms of extending the targets down from the board level. So that's something that is certainly being looked at. But I think, you know, I'm going to go back to the theme of this year's Uh, you know, International Women's Day and each for equal and what Mohit has demonstrated and and what uh, Rochelle and Diane are demonstrating in their respective functions is one person can make a difference. So I think um, having conversations like we are today is critical. Uh, and I think we all need to take a role to participate. I'm very happy that uh, there's a bunch of my team members here, uh, you know, including a good uh, contingent of my male employees. So I appreciate them being here because it really is about everybody pitching in to make a difference. Yeah,
1: yeah and you know, it's great to hear the, the success you've had at the board level. I'm wondering, you, know, you sit in the executive group what is, and JJ has talked a lot about the importance of competing for talent now. There's a lot of uh, people who have joined the company from outside the traditional rail industry. How does this play into, this imperative play into winning this war for talent?
0: I think it's critical. It's absolutely critical. Because if you're not looking to the whole broad population, you're not getting the best of the best. Um, And, you know, the rationale for targets, you know, coming back to what we've done at the board, uh, coming back to what we're looking at at the executive level, is that there is a tipping point. And the tipping point has been identified at 30%. And so at CN's executive level, we're not there yet. Hmm. Okay? We're more like 20%. So, you know, once you get that one third, what you create is actually a tipping point where it changes the dynamic. Then, you know, some of the experiences we talked about earlier where, you know, there aren't, you know, female role models or I don't see somebody doing that job. You know, I don't see anybody like me in the organization. And so once you can kind of create that tipping point point. Um, you know, you're into a positive spiral, and I think the right. change can happen faster. So I think that's, that's the reality is mm-hmm. uh, that's the direction we need to go.
1: And, and looking, um, so that's the kind of executive perspective. Uh, Diane, Rochelle, you talk with women in the company. What did they want from the company? I mean, are, if we got really tangible about the things that it would take them to feel included and able to thrive, what would be high on the wish list from CM and Jan's going to take and
0: it maybe, maybe I'll jump in and can yeah, think please. for a minute cuz i you know i was hosting a group of stakeholders um uh number of years ago, but less than five years ago, okay, to put it into perspective. And I was at uh, our facility in Symington around the mechanical shops, incidentally, and uh, there was a whole lot of construction work going on. And I said, oh, what what are we doing? Are we renovating? What, What work is being done here? And they said, oh, well, we're putting in a woman's washroom. So... You know, when we talk about what work needs to be done, I'm pretty sure that if we want to attract women, they'd like to know that there's a bathroom they can use, for example. That
4: would be a good
0: start. Um, so, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but um, it, it's not as crazy as you might think. And I had the opportunity to meet um, some other uh, women in different functions in the organization in the, in the Winnipeg area when I was out there. And, you know, whether it was a CN police officer who didn't have a locker room to use or a woman, you know, can't join the mechanical team because there's no woman's washroom. um, You know, these are kind of table stake basics that uh, that we need to get right. And we are getting right, I think, um, before we can even kind of start to say, what else do we need to do?
1: Yeah, wow, that's a striking example and (laughs) a relatively easy fix before you tackle some (laughs) Mm -hmm. of Rochelle, what would you add to the wish list?
5: Well, I would would definitely uh, echo Janet's comments. Um, That's been a challenge throughout the system is ensuring that uh, when we onboard that we have proper locker rooms and restrooms. Um, But I don't have a whole lot of women that work in the mechanical department. I can speak for myself. I would... I think they want to feel valued, they want to feel like their contributions matter, and they want to feel like they can excel and there's upward mobility, that they're not going to go in there and that's, they're not going to be stuck in the corner, per se. They want to know that they're going to have the ability to advance in that department. And that's, that's what I would think, mm-hmm. first and
1: foremost. Is it, just, it, and what, Let's delve into that a little bit deeper. What signals... Does, can and should the organization send to them that would say your path upward is there if you can deliver for the organization?
5: I would say uh, when we when we hire folks, whether it's a, a diverse or, or regular candidate, is just really encouraging that the the performance, the safety. If the safety's there, um, if you're performing well there and you're willing to relocate, there's endless opportunities, and that across the system can be challenging for folks. Um, A lot of folks don't want to move. A lot of folks, um, you know, that that can be challenging, but really just encouraging um, that if if they put the effort in, there is a lot of advancement Mm -hmm. and really just educating them on some of the positions um, that may be open in the future and showing them their career path. Here's what it could look like in five years. Here's what it could look like in three years. And really setting them up for a path of success.
1: Great. Diane, what would you have?
3: Um, I think that just communication <clears throat> is gonna be key, or is key. Um, and it's as simple as linking someone up with someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a conversation and you know, overhear one employee say, Uh, You know, I always wondered what that was or if I could do that. Hey, did you know so-and-so just came from there? You know, you can do it and link the two of them up and let them know that uh, the opportunity is there. Um, And again, looking for those right people to talk to.
1: Right. I'm hearing from both of you that because there perhaps aren't the number of women in senior positions or that next position, it's even more important that leaders and managers are proactive in having those conversations to say, you can get there, deliver, and we'll be there for you, and to be intentional around that. Certainly. And I think that's a great transition to really the last theme that we'll tackle, which is how to be a great ally. You know, that we're, we are all each for equal <laughs> this year, and allyship is you know giving the support uh, to women or anyone who's uh, an equity-seeking group to realize their potential. Uh, and it's, to me, it starts with mindset and well, maybe you could talk a bit about your mindset because you know in talking with you in preparation for this you just bring such a conviction around yeah we're going to do this, this is the right thing to do so what advice can you talk a bit about your mindset and
4: perhaps what led to you to its development you know i'll start with what's happening out in the world it's a world of globalization you know, uh, CN, it's Canadian nat- National, we rely with our partners across the, the world because we are a supply chain enabler. So for glo- globalization, um, it's very important that you have a diverse workforce that brings different perspective, different angles to the, uh, whether it's a decision making, whether it's it's the next next best action you can take. So I truly believe in globalization and I truly believe in in diversity because both are both go hand in hand um, and and for bringing that kind of a perspective, I am a big supporter of diversity and um, I believe that we have to have a structural program so that we put in uh, effort we measure it, we create an index we measure it, and we all at the leadership roles take um, part in it and actually have goals and we measure the goals and really make it as part of our, our day-to-day uh, operations and as day-to-day goal uh, measurements. Like we have marketing measures and we have so many operational measures, we should just have one more measure so that mm-hmm. we really make it public uh, to our, our people internally and really track it as we track any other measure.
1: Well, I know there's that saying, what gets measured gets done. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, and I love the passion with which you say this. Have you ever faced objections to that? Uh, and if so, what are they?
4: Well, for sure, there, there were some objections in, in, in the past as well, like giving you a couple of examples. When you set a high target for yourself, you definite it's a team sport in the end when you make it happen as well. So if you have to work with your, your HR partners, your recruitment partners, or your onboarding teams, Setting up targets for others becomes a challenge as well, because they come from different sections, different departments, different functions. So making it a team sport and a win-win for everybody was some form of a challenge. And also, uh, I referred to that uh, earlier as well, incentives for making a goal or achieving a goal or making a job done is, doesn't need to be always financial. So making an incentive that excites all the team members to make that, that goal happen, is something that was uh, difficult in the beginning, but when everybody believed in the cause, uh, you automatically get like uh, all the functions rallying around the cause and making it happen for you.
1: And kudos to you for finding a way to be an ally, but what I love is that you're you're not just an ally to an individual, you're really approaching it from an organizational mindset. Let me put the question to your three fellow panelists. We have many men here, we have many men listening who are passionate about being allies who may be wondering, okay, I want to be an ally. What should I do? I'll throw it open to all three of you to speak on that topic.
0: Look, I think it's, um, it's a role that we all have to play. Each, each of us has to be part of the solution. And I think it's about, you know, educating yourself to some degree and understanding uh, that there's value for everybody in this. Uh, You know, one specific example I would use because I, you know, I have had, uh, uh, you know, two maternity leaves, if you will, while I've been at CN, I have two sons. Um, And that in and of itself, you know, presented challenges. You know, I I remember once being told, well, you know, you were on maternity leave, so, you know, you're not going to get as much bonus. Now, the bonus is already prorated for the time you work, so that part I was totally fine with. But having a lower rating because I wasn't, wow. you know, <laughs> here was a little disturbing at the time. Uh, but you know, one thing that I see men doing now is taking parental leave. Um, that's getting more and more common, and frankly. You know, I applaud them for doing that because that actually takes as much courage today in today's world, you know, as as some of the things uh, that that women have faced in years past. So men can be, I think, a huge advocate for equality. And I think, you know, just opening, uh, being open to what that looks like and what that means um, will will help all of us. Like we said, this is about lifting everybody up. It's not about making trade-offs.
1: Thank you.
0: And I, I feel that um, one,
5: one key piece there is um, helping folks feel comfortable hiring outside of their comfort zone, right? Not just hiring somebody because they're comfortable with this candidate. Is really looking to say, is this the best candidate? Is this the most qualified candidate? And is this the best candidate for the role? And it's very easy in this industry to get caught up just saying, well, so-and-so's qualified, and I know this individual, so I'm going to hire them. Forcing ourselves out of that comfort zone. And that can be challenging for all of us, but I would say, as a team, if, if we wanna really push ourselves out of our comfort zone, we really need to make sure that we're not just hiring somebody because it's the comfortable decision that we hire the, the best candidate for the position.
1: Good, and I love the example of the, the blind viewing of the resumes. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of great stories around bias, uh, unconscious bias, and how you can overcome it. Like musicians who audition for orchestras, you know, they found that when people saw, they were live auditions and you saw women receive far fewer successful uh, jobs than when they had them now audition behind a curtain. Yeah. And when you take the gender bias out, it had a, a, markab- a remarkable statistical change. So I think we do have to find ways to go beyond our comfort or find ways to allow us to move behind it. Diane, advice to men who want to be allies?
3: Um, I just think just be cognizant of situations, um, knowing especially if somebody's new, they're already going to be a little uh, discomforted. Uh, So just pay attention to that. And if you can offer a sign of uh, a flag just to say it's okay. then I think that that helps immensely. Again, uh, most of the, the advice that the ladies that I spoke to and myself received were from men, and it was just that small thing to let you know it's okay. So,
1: Well, I want to thank you all. We're reaching the end of our time. I want to thank you all for... Uh, being here, some of you have traveled from Chicago, but by way of Tennessee as well, <laughs> uh, or come uh, from upstairs to, to share your experiences. It's been, a, it's been a great discussion. You know, this year's theme of Each for Equal is tied to this notion of something uh, called collective individualism. And what this really refers to is the idea that we're all part of a whole and that our individual actions and efforts ultimately have a larger collective impact on society. So as we sit here, you know, with a long way to go towards equity in the world, and and as Janet, you point out at CN, I'd like you to all share your final thought for your hope for the years ahead. It could be here at the company, it could be in the world uh, as we look forward. Mohed, I'll start with you.
4: I'll start with let's make it as a goal and... um it always takes a village to deliver a project or a goal. So I'd say a loud shout out, shout out to all my colleagues. Let's make it as a village and, and deliver the goal. Thank you.
5: Absolutely, I would echo that. We're one team. Uh, we're all on the same team. And we're all here to, to deliver a product to our customers safe and efficiently. And I would close just echoing the comments that believe in yourself, because um, anything is possible.
3: Thank you. All right, and um, for my team leadership that I see where I'm at, um, they have been going about things in a non-traditional manner. Um, So I hope that we can continue to do so and uh, just make everybody feel more
4: comfortable.
0: This isn't about special treatment. It's about equal treatment. And I think we all have to be part of the solution You know, a favorite author of mine, you know, wrote that, you know, uh, a waterfall starts with a single drop of water. And I think that's in line with the theme that we're talking about this year. I really do feel like there's momentum here. Um, I hope hope the people in the room can feel it. I hope people uh, listening to the podcast can feel it. I think what's key is that we take that feeling away after today and we... We encourage that momentum to build. I really do feel like we can get there. Uh, it's it's not that much more to get to that one third critical point, and and when we do get there, I feel like that momentum will just pick up pace.
1: Well, with the uh, stories and energy and ideas here, I think we're we're on the way. So I want to thank you all. This has been fun. It's been fun to do a live podcast and. Uh, No post-production required. Um, So it's great. And for those of you listening who have enjoyed it, the Inspire podcast, we're going to release this next Tuesday. Uh, We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, so you can subscribe. We have a lot of other great conversations on diversity and inclusion. Um, And so I encourage you to subscribe. But thank you, CN, for hosting this and for a wonderful discussion on an important day.
0: Thank Thank you. Thank you.
1: Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did my first live podcast, hopefully not the last. I, uh, I love the dynamic and really appreciate the people of CN for not only having me, but for their openness and candor on that hugely important topic. Next time on the Inspire podcast, we turn from International Women's Day to trust in leadership. I'm pleased to welcome Scott Evans. He's the general manager of Edelman Canada. And Edelman does a lot of work on trust, what a trust barometer is, and what it tells us about how leaders today must go about the work of building trust. It's a powerful conversation with a lot of do's and don'ts that I know you'll enjoy listening to. So we'll see you next time on the Inspire Podcast.